Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. ESPN Radio. If you know me, you know that I generally actually make fun of things that become sort of cliche and and uh, become like stadium traditions, for example. I totally appreciate it. I understand why that happens, but I also think it's so funny just watching people like sing corny songs in unison. <laughs> All that said, I am not without flaw. I have my guilty pleasures. I enjoy me. Some motley crew when it's football season. Well, kickstart my heart to bring it back for you here on this Monday. Hopefully, you're having a great start to your week. I'm back from the Bay and ready to roll. Uh, great weekend in San Francisco, man. The food is just so good. The seafood especially, exquisite. Uh, we had a great time. Adventured all around. I almost died on the Golden Gate Bridge. Ride my bike. Not true. That's a complete exaggeration. But it was certainly uh, more challenging than I expected for a variety of reasons. Uh, not the least of which that the... Uh, there's a couple parts on the, the path that aren't that wide. Your boy's pretty wide. So <laughs> I was hugging the rail as the, uh, the oncoming traffic came my way. More San Francisco stories later on in the week. But if you missed anything in the first hour of today's Nuanas Now, you can always find it on the Nuanas Now podcast presented by Blackfoot Communications. Visit goblackfoot.com. The M Store, where they're all grizz all the time. And the Montana State Bookstore, visit msubookstore.org for all of your blue and gold. We talked all things college football in the first hour. We're going to keep on talking college football in the second hour. We left off with this eternal debate to name a starting quarterback or to not name a starting quarterback. I do think sometimes it is situational. Like when you have a guy who's a really, really good player and a natural leader, it becomes very obvious. And Bobby Halkin and his staff did that right out the gates when they returned in 2018, 2018 and 2019. It was Dalton Sneed's show. They talked about it openly. Uh, Dalton Sneed embraced it. He was sort of the face of the program, or at least one of the faces of the program. He and Dante Olson were kind of the two-star guys the, the first couple of years upon Bobby Houck's, uh return for his second tenure at Montana. And uh, then last year, I mean, I was... You know, you bring in a seventh-year transfer like Lucas Johnson, and, and he's the guy. This year, they're operating a little bit differently, though. Sam Bidlack, who's a transfer from Boise State. Clifton McDowell, who's a transfer from Central Arkansas. And Chris Brown, who's a guy who started a handful of games at Montana over the last two years. They're all in the mix. And Bobby Houck has talked about it. He led his press conference with it today, saying, we're not going to name a starter. Starter's going to be based on evaluations that we're going to have an ongoing evaluation through this first game with Butler coming to town on Saturday. So, um, I don't know. I think that there's there's pluses and minuses there. I think if you have a a dude, it's advantageous for your football team to have that guy as an earned and anointed leader. I also think, though, having multiple quarterback weapons is an advantage schematically. It helps you, you know, sort of throw different things at the opponent. And then I also think that, as I mentioned last hour, Sam Vidlak's never played a game in Montana. 
Coach McDowell's ever played at a game in Montana. And Chris Brown, his last couple games in Montana, weren't very good. So I do think they maybe want to see some evaluation in-game before they hitch their wagon to a guy. And maybe it is a sort of a, a, a two-headed monster with Vidlak and, and McDowell, and it's just based on package and personnel and all that sort of stuff. So we'll see. On, on one hand, you think, okay, if, if you got no quarter, if you don't have a starting quarterback, if you have multiple quarterbacks, you don't have any quarterback. That's the old cliche, right? You got two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. On the other hand, thinking, well, maybe they do have multiple quarterbacks and they can actually run this diverse and, and sort of multiple offense with Brent Vegan or with uh, Brent Pease, excuse me, uh, calling the plays. Bobby Houck elaborated on his quarterbacks and so did Chris Walker, senior left tackle for the Grizzlies. This is from earlier today. Clifton wasn't here in the spring, so he picked it up pretty fast uh, in terms of just it's speaking a different language, all those different things. So that was good. I thought Sam continued to refine um, his knowledge of the system. And, you know, I just, I thought they handled things. I thought they handled protections and all those different things pretty well, maybe better than expected. Uh, and then again, the accuracy and the completion percentages were good. And Chris, from the offensive line perspective, what's it been like kind of working with a number of quarterbacks? And like Coach mentioned, any of these guys could be taking snaps. What have you noticed from your perspective working with these guys? I mean, let's give all three of them credit. I mean, we can put you back there for the first game, and we're all going to block the same. I mean, it really doesn't doesn't matter who's going to be back there. Go, got to go out there and play. There you go. Matter of fact, from Montana super senior left tackle, uh, Chris Walker. It's time now for our first look. We'll do this each Monday, previewing the opponents for both Montana and Montana State. Because we just heard from Bobby Houck, we'll flip over to the cat side of things. Brent Vegan's squad hosts Utah Tech on Saturday. Uh, Utah Tech, formerly Dixie State, they've been a common non-conference opponent for several uh, different iterations of their program for Big Sky Schools because they're located... St. George, Utah. Not an easy place to get to, but certainly within the region. So you've probably seen either Dixie State or Utah Tech pretty prevalently on schedules of Weber State and Southern Utah and Northern Arizona because that's all sort of in the the general vicinity. They've also popped up onto some other Big Sky non-conference schedules, and Utah Tech has three uh, Big Sky non-conference games this year. They play in Bozeman Saturday, then they host the Grizzlies the following week, and then they play Northern Arizona in week three. Our first look, presented by Town Pump, Brent Vegan, here on Nuanas Now. Well, it's time now for our first look. It's presented by Town Pump, where we give you a look at who Montana State is playing each week. We're joined now by Bobcat head coach Brent Vegan. Coach, thanks so much for being here. Uh, first of all, just a general question. Uh, with When the game week rolls around, what's it like? How, how's it feel around campus? I know you guys started school last week, and now you got a big one uh, under the lights at Bobcat Stadium. Uh, how's the energy uh, around the football offices and on the football practice fields this week? No, you can feel it. Uh, you know, we, we try to take one day at a time around here. Um, but this, getting to this week and ultimately getting to Saturday certainly has been uh, anticipated for quite some time. Um, you know, you you have a season like we did last year. It ends like it did. You, there's a lot of work that goes into rebounding from that and then getting to this point, and, and you need to put put all those days in and um, make all those days count. But, but this is where you want to be. You know, this is – this is the time of year that you put all that hard work in for and to be in game week and have, you know, uh, a team, I think, that's that's about ready to go. Um, 
definitely exciting. And, and you know, to, to see the buzz on campus with the students coming back, um, really the previous weekend, um, it's time, you know, I know, uh, those student tickets, I think go on sale here real quick. Uh, you know, and they'll be gobbled up pretty quick and this, this place will be, will be buzzing uh, on Saturday about 6, 6 PM. Well, Utah Tech, somebody that I think Big Sky Conference followers are going to get familiar with, probably a little familiarity already because either Dixie State or Utah Tech has been a fairly common opponent for Big Sky Conference schools in the non-conference in recent years. Uh, but now uh, fully an FCS squad, and uh, they play a full Big Sky non-conference with Montana State, Montana, and Northern Arizona all on the schedule this year. Just looking at their roster, Coach, they, they recruit a lot of areas the Big Sky teams recruit as well. So, I mean, it's not a Big Sky team, but does it feel sort of like a Big Sky team? Is this a, a, a sort of a, a good tune-up for you guys going into league play? Yeah, I think uh, they've become over the last uh couple of years at least from from my observation we've seen them on film uh, some crossover film each of the last two years and you know you can see them evolving and, and I, I you know being a, an FCS team out west um, you know they want to be able to identify recruit against um, and, and ultimately uh, compete with uh, with with our conference you know and it's a secret why I probably schedule like they are this year and have over the, the last uh, couple of years. So, you know, they, uh, they recruit a similar footprint than a, a lot of the teams in our league. And um, I, I know have some, some names that uh, are familiar, you know, to the guys that recruit those, those different areas across our footprint. So, you know, um, they, they've taken steps and, you know, I, I I'm certain that, you know, come Saturday, they're going to look, better than they they might have uh you know at any point last year that's just what we got to anticipate even though they've had the turnover that they've had last full one for you on the thunderbirds is our first look presented by town pump town pump brawl the wild by the miles back for another year they'll be keeping us fueled up all season long including our trip to bozeman for the gold rush game saturday night there as montana state hosts uh, Utah Tech and Coach Paul Peterson's a guy that's uh, has some Big Sky Conference ties. He was at Sac State before taking over as the head coach there at Utah Tech. He's got some familiar names on his coaching staff too, guys with Big Sky ties. But I'm interested about the quarterback spot. You look at their depth chart and they got an or on there, which means that they probably had a battle coming on uh, coming into this. So uh, how's how is that from your guys' side of things preparing for that? Um, do you prepare for both guys? And what sort of familiarity do you have? What has what the preparation been like just in terms of the Utah Tech offense, uh, particularly the quarterback position? Well, no, no two quarterbacks are ever alike in, in our opinion. Um, so, yeah, you have to be ready for, for what, what both guys would bring, uh, let's just say, stylistically to the table. Um, you know, and they're in stark contrast, but I, I do think they're, they're different players. And, you know, I, I no different than our game with McNeese. I think we went in, um, you know, it was a flip of the coin and I think our guests, uh, turned out to be the guy that didn't play much in that game. So I, I you know, you, I, I spoke to it a little bit. I, I think you just gotta, you gotta be flexible enough, um, as a defense to probably play within your means early and, and feel some things out. You know, you want, the last thing you want your guys to do is, is playing guesswork. Um, now, you have, you know, some some thoughts that would be tilted to one guy more than the other. I think you go in with, with that. But at the same time, you know, until that first snap, um, you know, the, that process doesn't truly even begin. So, you know, I think it's important that whoever's playing back there, um, as much as they throw the ball, we have got to be able to, to put pressure on them, uh, make them 
uncomfortable. Um, and I do think not only with that front, but then our ability to cover, I do think is, is going to look different this, this fall. You know, I, I think we're, uh, we got, we got more depth, which means you can roll, run a few more guys out there. Um, I think our ability to play man, man coverage is, is better than it was last year. And that needs to show up right from the start here and make these guys, um, you know, whichever one they go with Tracy or Abbott, um, as uncomfortable as possible. By town pump for all the while, by the mile, back for yet another year. I'll be hitting the road for the first of many times on Saturday. We have our college game day pregame show leading up to the noon kickoff at Washington Grizzly Stadium, Montana versus Butler. I'll take in as much of that game as I can. I need to be in Bozeman by 4.30 for my pregame show there. And then we'll roll into the Gold Rush game uh, against Utah Tech. We'll be letting you know about the various opponents for both Montana and Montana State early on here each week, thanks in part to Town Pump. We'll also give you a chance to win $50 from Town Pump each Wednesday, so stay tuned for that a little bit later on this week. You are listening to Nuanas now here on ESPN Radio. Maybe you're watching SWX Montana Television, or maybe you're streaming on the ESPN MT app. The headliner for the Butler Bulldogs coming into Missoula on Saturday is the quarterback, Brian Bushka. He was a finalist for the uh, Walter Payton Award last year. He was the Pioneer Football League Player of the Year. He's a lefty. <laughs> Bobby Alk didn't like my question about asking if the, uh, being left-handed changed anything. Uh, but he did give a good explanation on how you slow uh, Butler's star quarterback down, as well as other things to expect out of the Bulldogs as they make their way to Missoula on Saturday afternoon. Back to the left-handed quarterback. <laughs> you coming back for another yeah. bite of that? Oh, huh? He was he was the Pioneer Player of the Year, uh, Pioneer League Player yeah. of the Year last year. Uh, what sort of things do you think he does well? What sort of things do you guys need to contain? Well, there you go. That, that one I can answer. Um, he's he's multidimensional. You know, he's like a you know going back through the years and playing against teams that had running quarterbacks. I mean, he's their leading rusher as well. But he's he's like uh, you know back in the day when you play Air Force or Navy, and they had a quarterback that could throw it. It was a huge problem. And this guy can beat you with his feet, and he can beat you with his arm. He's very accurate. Again, you mentioned he was the Player of the Year in their league for a reason. Uh, he's just a terrific, productive player, and you know their their offense goes through him, which kind of is. A, Obvious because he's getting the ball every time from the center, but he makes plays both in the run and pass game, which which is really difficult. Butler's quarterbacks also on the Walter Payton Award preseason watch list, um, but I know looking at their stats last year, they led the FCS in red zone offense, and then they were top two in uh, fewest tackles for loss allowed and fewest sacks allowed. So how much of that is uh, their quarterback play? How much is it? offensive line or, or other aspects and just from what you see on film why do they have success in those areas well i think it goes back to i mean they're good up front they do a nice job so you want to discount the work the big fellows are doing this guy might reach over and sock me if i didn't give those guys some credit but a lot of that has to do with the court running quarterback and his ability with his feet you know he just doesn't take losses you know, in the past game, even when people are getting him down, he's still not, he's getting beyond the line of scrimmage yard or two and watching quite a bit of their film. 
Uh, the other thing is, is as the field compresses in the red zone, the ability to have quarterback run game and, and plus one run game is, is really helpful. Uh, Coach, what does kind of Butler do defensively? Is there anything that any person or thing that they do that kind of stands out on the defense side of the ball? Yeah, it's funny. In the, in this day and age, personnel evaluations are really difficult. You know, there's just so much turnover at all at every school. Um, so the first game, you know, you have some gray area on what the personnel is going into it. Um, but defensively, I mean, we they could they could have changed everything in the off season. Uh, a year, I can tell you what they did a year ago. Um, they're four. They've they've been a, a four down team. Um, mix of zone and man free, uh, and and uh, uh, quite a bit of zone pressure. Uh, but again, the first game you got to be ready for everything. Yeah, what is that first game like for a coach and a little more anxiety because of, of the fear of the unknown? Yeah, coach player alike. I think uh, the first game's a little nerve wracking because you're. You're not totally sure about what you've got, and you're really unsure of what the opponent has. So you just don't have a feel for matchups or, or again, personnel. Um, you don't know what's changed schematically. So, you, you know, you have to be pretty vanilla and pretty generic and, and get a feel for it as the game goes on. It really is an underrated part of all of this. Personnel evaluations are always challenging, especially for your opening opponent. But now I can't imagine how challenging they are for for coaching staffs because so many guys come and go. So many guys leave. So many guys come in. You never know. I mean, you might have a team that has half their starting lineup or more new, whether it's guys from within their program, transfers into their program. There's no film on that. So you do have to be sort of vanilla. You do have to sort of feel your way out. I actually think that's why Montana, Montana State – uh, have such a huge advantage going into these seasons is they actually know most of who their guys are. There's certainly some guys that need to rise up and, and you know take the next step within the arc of their respective careers. There's certainly some transfers into each program that have high expectations. But by and large, the foundations are good, solid, and uh, pretty well known. So I, I do think that's a, a boon for both Montana and Montana State. There's our first looks presented by Town Pump. For all the while, by the mile, back yet again, we'll give you 50 bucks on Wednesday, so stay tuned for that. And Town Pump, they'll keep us fueled up uh, all football season long. I can already tell you, when I split from Missoula and head on over uh, to Bozeman, I can tell you exactly my Town Pump route. First of all, I'm going to get gas Friday night at the Mullen Station here on the corner reserve in Mullen, so I can just be ready to roll right out of town. And then on my way back from Bozeman, I'll hit the town pump and rocker. I got town pumps. I got. I know exactly where my favorite ones are. I know exactly the easy access on the road trips that we take. The good news for you is no matter where you're at uh, in Montana, there's almost certainly a, uh, a town pump uh, near you. I don't know. I think I still want to keep talking about college football. We got some NFL stuff to get to as well. But we'll keep talking Cats, Grizz, and maybe some Big Sky Conference as well. Don't touch that dial. Keep it right here. Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. 
Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. And Dwight, your father founded Schulte Law Firm in 1987 and since then has mediated more than 3,000 family law and divorce cases. Why is he so good at that sort of law? Well, he is a smart and patient man. A lot of situations where you find yourself in need of attorney are a high conflict situation. And it's really important. And it's a a tenet of our firm that we work through litigious issues in a collaborative way. It's important at Schulte Law Firm that when we're litigating these very serious issues that impact people's lives, that we do so in a way that provides the best representation and the best result to our clients. And what we have found is that the best way to do that is to litigate these issues effectively while doing so with a high degree of professionalism. We can have these disagreements without making it personal. Visit jshultilaw.com. He's the one is now on 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. You've heard it so much, it's like it's like almost just ingrained in your memory and you don't even like consciously listen to it anymore. But man, I don't care what you say. That that is fire when it first came out. And, and for, you know, years to come, little Guns N' Roses for you. Welcome to the jungle. I know where they'll be playing that on Saturday, and we'll be there. Welcome back to Nuanas Now, here today and all week long from 4 to 6 p.m. on ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. We'll also be live starting on Saturday from the Chamber of Commerce parking lot for our ESPN College Game Day, back for yet another year. We're still working out the, the structure of the whole thing, but we'll be on site uh, getting you all primed up for the uh, home opener for Montana against Butler high noon at Washington Grizzly Stadium. So looking forward to that. Last week, we, uh, we started a new endeavor. This book it is an awesome book. It's called Montana Greats by Jeff Welsh, the uh, managing editor of 406mtsports.com. From A to Z, the greatest athletes from 264 Montana communities. So it's just one page each about various athletes from various towns. So he just names the town or the community and then the greatest athlete from that town. Early on in the book, it is all alphabetical order. Early on, one of the best athletes ever from Montana makes his appearance. Perhaps no Montana sports story is more tragic than Wayne Estes of Anaconda, a beloved all-around athlete who died in a bizarre electrocution on a street in Logan, Utah, within hours of setting Utah State's season-scoring record in 1965. A night earlier, the Aggies' big man had proposed to his longtime girlfriend in Provo, Utah, the nation's number two collegiate scorer that season behind only Miami's Rick Barry, Estes had been told by the Los Angeles Lakers that they planned to make him the number one overall NBA draft choice. The practice facility at Utah State is named for him, and he was a member of the Aggies' inaugural Hall of Fame class in 1993. At Anaconda, Estes was an All-State athlete in football, basketball, and track, winning the state discus and shot put championships. He still holds the Copperhead shot put record 
Estes was out with friends and was walking a sidewalk past the scene of a car accident on that tragic night when a low-hanging power line creased his forehead. He is buried in a cemetery outside Anaconda. Although I have goosebumps just reading that, and I've heard that story a million times since I was a kid. The, the final destination of fate that is, is tied to Wade Estes' death, man, it, it, it's crazy. I, I hope that people still remember because Wayne Estes was absolutely one of the greatest athletes ever from Montana. I mean, he was set to be the number one overall pick in the NBA draft. A power line falls and hits him in the head and kills him. I mean, I can't really think of a more <laughs> tragic way to die. It's crazy. Anyways, I hope that people always remember Wayne Estes. And I know we're talking football, but it, we'll keep, we'll keep uh, referencing this book because I just do think it is, uh, it's great fodder. And Coulter Nuanez, thanks so much for tuning in here today. Uh, there's several more things that I, uh, I want to ask you about, Andrew. First of all, any general impressions from you when it comes to, to what we heard today? I know you haven't listened to the whole press conferences, but we just listened to some bits. Sometimes we become numb to this stuff because we're at the pressers. We watch them again. We cut them up into sound for the radio. We transcribe them into our stories. So it just kind of just all blurs together. But, I mean, just initial thoughts uh, from either of these sessions here today going into the, the openers for both these squads. I thought Bobby Houck and Brent Vegan both seemed, you know, just sort of happy and content to be going back into it, right? To to have an opponent to, to scout and to scheme up and, and just to be back in the routine of it. I don't know. It's obviously not something that you take away that'll mean anything going into the season. I just thought thought both of those guys sounded kind of happy to be doing it. A couple other things I wanted to touch on in terms of evaluation points going into and throughout this upcoming weekend. And we'll just go back and forth, Grizz Cats, Grizz Cats here. We, we talked about just sort of the dynamic of the UM quarterbacks. And, and I'm not ex, uh, surprised at all that they didn't name a starter. I do think that they need to see these guys in games. I think they're going to have a, a team in Butler who's a non-scholarship team that they're going to be able to get all three guys reps in the game. I just want to see how they look. It's pretty simple. Just want to see how the, uh, how the quarterbacks look. Who settles in quick, quickly? Who's got the best grasp of the scheme? Who's got the most moxie, swagger, uh, control of the line of scrimmage? All of it will be important uh, to watch. I think we're going to get to see for sure Sam Vidlak and Clifton McDowell and and uh, maybe some Chris Brown as well. For the Bobcats, the same thing. Tommy Mallott. Cham- Sean Chambers, I think you know what you're getting. He's a huge man, first of all, 6'3", 235 pounds. He's a battering ram. He's basically Montana State's short yardage back. He just happens to line up at quarterback. He can throw it a little bit, for sure. Uh, I think improved accuracy for him will bode well uh, for MSU. But I've always contended that... Tommy Mallott has the the, the makeup and the drive and uh, sort of the mental aptitude. He's going to take a huge leap at some point. He's already one of the best quarterbacks in the league in terms of running the ball. He's one of the best athletes in the league, period. When does everything click and he's all of a sudden a real deal quarterback who can go through his progressions, go through his reads? I think it's only a matter of time, and it won't surprise me if it's this season he has had trouble early on in games, especially when it's a home opener like it is on Saturday night. 
because he just gets so juiced up. I mean, he's he's played multiple positions at MSU already. He used to run down on special teams and tackle people. And uh, I, I just think that, you know, you got to rein him in a little bit. But he talked about that. We'll play my interview with Tommy Malott later on this week. But uh, he talked about how he knows that sometimes he's had some some tough starts to games and some some early game jitters. He, he talked about trying to find that flow state. How do you find the flow state and then let it roll? Um, so just watching how Tommy Mulata is operating from, you know, a schematic level, but also just his confidence, his calm. Is he seeing it? Is he in that flow state that he talks about? I'll definitely be watching that. For the Grizz, I'm also going to be watching against Butler to see if this team is loose. I think that they play such a high-intensity style that might seem like a contradiction that the team that you know is going to try to rip your head off, both on defense and special teams, that they need to be loose and free-flowing. But I do think that that's important. I do think that part of last season... I think there was some tightness throughout the course of the season. So is this team loose? Uh, even last year when they beat Northwestern State 47-0, there was a lot of mistakes. There was a sort of a, a sloppy game. And same thing with South Dakota. I think you saw flashes of how absolutely dominant the Grizz could be their first two games a year ago. And you also saw flashes of, of sort of the, the ups and downs, which would then keep coming back as the season went along. So I do think that just having sort of a, a loose and confident attitude. I mean, the girls are always going to be confident. Their head coach is as brash and confident as they come in Bobby Houck. So they're always going to be confident. It's just a matter of are they they playing loose? Are they, you know, free-flowing like you want them to be? Because if you can play organized chaos and be free-flowing and, and, and playing loose, look out. You have a chance to be uh, epic. Last couple things I'll be watching on Saturday – the offensive lines for both squads, uh, you know, the news of the day coming out of Bozeman is that Connor Moore is a starting left tackle for Montana State as a redshirt freshman. That's impactful because Rush Reimer was an All-American a year ago at left tackle, and they're moving him to left guard. So if you have enough confidence in Connor Moore to bump Reimer one in, that means you got a lot of confidence in Connor Moore. Uh, Omar Ibion is also starting at right guard over JT Reed. You probably have a lot of confidence in him as well. So what does that mean for the Bobcat offensive line? Does that is that just a couple more uh, talented players to bolster the ranks? And then for the Grizz, the storyline when Bobby Houck first came back was the offensive line ha- has a lot of work to do, a lot of growing to do. They, they need to shore it up. The storyline now, some six years later, is that it's shored up, that there's a lot of veteran talent, a lot of experience, and uh, that the offensive line should be one of, if not the strengths of the entire team. That's the narrative. Now they got to prove it. The Grizz got to show that they could be one of the best offensive lines in, in the conference and subsequently then one of the best offensive lines uh, in the country. Uh, Andrew, anything to add on any of these? I guess first, to start with the offensive line, I, I, uh, I know you've been following along a little bit with the, the Bobcat stuff that we've been doing here. What to me, it just indicates that they must think that they really have something in Connor Moore if they're going to move their best offensive lineman to a new spot. It's really jaw-dropping for me to hear somebody who hasn't been following the program all that much in the fall. I so mean, wouldn't you say, if I was to say, hey, give me Montana State's five best players, you would have said Rush Reimer's one of them? 
Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, he's like a tip of the tongue, top of mind. I mean, you know, I know a lot of people were screaming and yelling last year about how the Cats got uh, hosed in the all-conference because they didn't have a first-team all-conference offensive lineman. But Reimer was still an All-American, even though he didn't land on the first team. So, I mean, he's he's certainly a, a player of, of high repute within their program and nationally. Well, it speaks to how far ahead their development at that spot is for anybody else in the conference and, you know, ahead of just about everybody in the country, probably besides North and South Dakota State, that you're able to have, you know, I, 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 I trust in their evaluation that they think Connor Moore is better at, at left tackle than Reimer, but that just speaks to, to the development that they have the pipeline of those kids coming up from underneath to where you even have a chance to have somebody beat out Rush Reimer at left tackle. Well, and the other thing is there might be a little scenario here where it's not necessarily even beating, beating out. Rush Reimer very well could be Montana State's best left tackle still, right. too. He's also just one of their best guards, and Connor Moore's one of their best five, and they right. feel most comfortable playing him there. So I think that's a, a scenario, certainly. The other part is then, you know, I, I think that Tackle more than any other spot at the collegiate level. Tackle and corner, but I think tackle is certainly probably the number one. Throwing guys to the Wolves early helps their development so much the second half of their career. We see these guys that are starting offensive tackles in the big sky. The guys that are the All-Americans when they're juniors and seniors have been starters since they were freshmen. And they get to the, you know, the 45 or 50 game mark where they really have mastered the position. So th- this kickstarts that part as well. But then I also think this is where Montana State has such a huge advantage. Reimer and um, JT Reed, um, and Big Omar, Abedion, I'm uh, sorry, I'm trying to get this pronunciation down, so I had to pull up the, uh, the depth chart. Abedion, all three of those guys can play both guard spots. So then also, if let's say Connor Moore is in over his head, he can't do it. Well, then you can always bump Reimer back right back out to left tackle and just play one of those. You know, you, you know, you got two all league type guards to plug at the right and left guard spots. Uh, and then the last point to make here is I think that I thought coming into this year, Rush Reimer was one of the top non-senior NFL prospects in the big sky, any position. If he goes out and has an all-league or all-American campaign as a guard, now he has real NFL uh, real NFL uh, prospects because that means he'll be able to say, hey, I was an all-American at multiple spots. Look at my position versatility. That could also help him as well. So I, I think there's a lot to this here. But I think the main point is that if you didn't think the Bobcat offensive line could get any better, this is indicative that they might have. Well, it doesn't lock you in either, right? You're, sure. You've got the the whole non-conference schedule to sort of figure this out. And, you know, I think they do value versatility a ton in that program for their offensive linemen. Yeah. So, you know, like you said, if it doesn't work out, they're, they're able to move back. But why not just see what you have? Um, you know, <laughs> see what different combinations you, you can play with here. I mean, maybe we get a completely different look for the South Dakota State game as they're just sort of switching this around. The uh, It will be trial by fire for uh, for Connor Moore and the rest of the offensive line because Utah Tech, I, I expect Utah Tech to be overmatched in the trenches, but Utah Tech's best player, Sirius Webster, I think it's Cyrus Webster, in fact, he was the uh, UAC preseason defensive player of the year. He's a junior defensive lineman. And, uh, I mean, he's 6'4", 260. He can really run. He can play up and down the line. So, um 
it'll be a test. For the Grizz offensive line, much has been made, especially in-house, a lot of the stuff the University of Montana has been producing about Chris Walker's progress. Uh, he was on Riley Corcoran, Voice of the Grizz, uh, Inside the Den podcast recently. We talked about acclimating to Montana and loving the lifestyle and, and loving hunting and all that sort of stuff. He also talked about just relearning the fundamentals and the position of tackle and also transforming his body. Chris Walker is a is a specimen. He is a a unbelievable-looking athlete. But he still has transformed his body quite a bit since coming to Montana. When he first got here, he was 6'6", 275. Well, he's up to 308 pounds. And for a guy that's as lean as him, putting on 30 pounds is a lot. He was at the press conference today. I mean, <laughs> I know it sounds so cliche, but just walk that guy to the middle of the field for the coin toss. Walk him off the bus first. Uh he is uh, he's a scary looking man with his big beard and his six foot six now three hundred and eight pound frame. So uh, that's kind of where you start with the uh, the Grizz offensive line. I think AJ Forbes is good and could be really good. I think Hunter McGinnis is great, and I think that uh, Brandon Casey is solid and could be very good. Can Walker be a true All Conference or All American type guy? That could be a, a huge boost uh, for the Grizz offense. Thoughts on the Grizz offensive line before we take a break? Well, I just think this applies to a lot of, of units for the Grizz on on Saturday this week. But I just think that the, the bar is going to be set pretty high, right? I don't yes, want right. to see them... I don't want to see them play pretty well against Butler. I want to see them dominate. Yes, right. I want to see them, you know, blow holes... Wide enough that five Nick Osmos can run through it, right? Because uh, that, 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 that's always so funny, though, because it is it is always like Butler's coming into Montana with nothing to lose. It'll be the biggest crowd they play in front of probably all year. They might play an FBS. I haven't actually looked at Butler's schedule beyond Montana, but it'll certainly be one of the most raucous atmospheres they play in front of. They'll have guys that can hold their own for a little while. It, to me, it's when the Grizz really start leaning on them. What are the Grizz offensive line? You know, there's the element of surprise. There's adjusting schematically, all that. What's the Grizz offensive line look like from the eight minute mark of the third quarter on? That's what I'm really going to be watching. Yeah, because you got to figure they're going to be trying to run the ball a fair amount for sure by that point in the game too. I think they're going to be trying to run the ball a fair amount all throughout the year. Sure, I think, I think that's going to be a huge part of this offense. So I, I I agree with you. I, I want to see a dominant effort. If you're playing a non-scholarship team and you have the multiple multi-year starter who are all also upperclassmen and or seniors, uh, you got to dominate up front. Nuwana's now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. You need a place to watch the game on Saturday? How about the Silver Slipper? Whether it's the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, baseball, or college football, Slipper will have it on for you. They got drink specials every day, 20 Kino machines, a liquor store, and pizza. There's nowhere else you should be watching your favorite team at the Slipper. It's all about great food, tasty drinks, and the urge to have a good time. Samantha Phil to take you home on this Monday. Keep it right here. Nuan is now ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio Missoula. What up, everybody? Welcome back. Nuan is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. I'm Coulter Nuanas. 
miss anything in this show, we've been pretty much talking about the same thing from stem to stern. Grizz football, Bobcat football, college football on the Division I level back in full force on Saturday uh, here in Missoula and in Bozeman as well. Heard from Bobby Houck, Brent Vegan, Chris Walker, and debated and discussed many of the various storylines going into the uh, season openers for the 2023 season. All of it on the Nuanas Now podcast, probably presented by Blackfoot Communications, the M Store, where they're all grizz all the time, and the MSU Bookstore. Visit msubookstore.org. Uh, we, I was giving you my my 10 most interesting storylines coming into 2023 in the NFL last week, and I only got about halfway through the list. So I want to continue this list. I have been planning for a couple fancy drafts coming up, and I do think that the way that football has evolved, if you know me, you know that I think that fantasy football is such a limited version of football. I love line play. I love defense. I love the physicality of the game. I love studying the game from the trenches out. And fantasy football doesn't give you any of that. But I do think that the way that the the priority, the positions of priority have evolved in fantasy football is very reflective of the way that it's evolved in, in modern football period. For example, I don't think there's that much difference in the quarterbacks you're going to draft in fantasy football between like Aaron Rodgers and Deshaun Watson and Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes. Guys are going to throw for a whole bunch of yards. Because you could have a guy that throws for a whole bunch of yards and even a bunch of touchdowns on mediocre to bad teams. The guys that are going to really put you over the top in your fantasy leagues are the quarterbacks that can run. They have a high chance of getting hurt, but they also have a high chance of scoring touchdowns in multiple fashions. Look at a guy like Jalen Hurts last year. I mean, he was a fantasy gem, not only because he was so good throwing the ball, but also because he was so good running the ball. Lamar Jackson, same thing. If he freaks out and throws for 3,000 yards and rushes for 1,000, he's going to be pretty hot in some fantasy leagues. That said, though, to this point in the NFL, it's been pretty limited. Long shelf lives for running quarterbacks. Now, I wouldn't say Jalen Hurts is necessarily a running quarterback as much as he is a quarterback that can run, is willing to run, and certainly is used in the run game in, in short yardage and red zone situations by the Eagles. But I'm just compelled by Jalen Hurts in general. I think he shook off a lot of uh, adversity from getting benched at Alabama and then transferring to Oklahoma. A lot of adversity for being super underrated when it came to the draft. And I think that for those people that believe that elite quarterback play has a lot to do with personality and leadership, Jalen Hurts is proving that notion absolutely right. He, he throws the ball well. He runs the ball well. But it's, it's who he is as a dude. It's how much of an alpha he is, how steady he is, the way that he can win a locker room, the, the charisma he carries himself with, the competitor that he is, those are the things that made Jalen Hurts you know, one, of the, one of the top quarterbacks in the league last year. So I'm so interested to see. There's not really a sample size, Andrew, for guys that have took the league by storm as dual threats that then have done it for long periods of time. Two years wouldn't be that long of a period of time. But, I mean, what do you think of Jalen Hurts' prospects coming into this year? Last year was a big-time... Uh, year for him, can he duplicate it? Well, I guess the the big question here that makes me sort of wary as an Eagles fan is how much does the competitiveness, the leadership, the intangibles, all the great stuff that you're talking about and that I see in Jalen Hurts as well, how much does that translate when 
Everybody in the league gets an off-season to break down your tape, scheme for you, know exactly what you're doing. I'm not sure how much it does. So then the question becomes, what can Jalen Hurts continue to add to his game this season? And really, to me, that's where the competitiveness, the leadership, the intangibles, that's where it's really going to pay off for Jalen Hurts in that I think he's going to be able to keep his development curve ahead of what the rest of the league is going to try to do to him just because he's such a hard worker. You know he's not going to get cheated. You know that he's the kind of guy who's going to get the most out of his physical and mental gifts as he possibly can. And they might go get him a new weapon, too, because Jonathan Taylor's on the block right now for sure. The the three teams I've heard that are pushing the hardest for Jonathan Taylor, I should say that I heard. I'm not talking to NFL executives. Adam Schefter heard. Yeah, yeah, no. that The people I follow that cover the NFL have heard. They, uh, they are saying that Jonathan Taylor, the three teams that are pushing the hardest for him are Philadelphia, in no particular order, Philadelphia, Miami, and Washington. If he ends up in Philly, whew, that's, a big, that's a big get. That's a great list because those are that's two teams who are all in on yeah, the competitive right. curve right now with yep. Philly and Miami yep. and a team who could be really, really interesting oh, if they got Jonathan Taylor. I mean, I think the commanders are going to be interesting, period. There's no doubt about it. It's not as now uh, here on ESPN Radio. Uh, no paddleheads tonight, but we have a couple paddleheads uh, games coming up uh, throughout the rest of the summer to wrap up the season. So even though we're into football mode, we'll be playing the paddleheads all the way through uh, the uh, Pioneer uh, League Championship. Uh, tomorrow, uh, a jam-packed slate for you. We'll have some coaches' interviews, including Chris Chitovitsky, also efforting Ari Gray of Butte High School. Uh, we also got to have our first Vertical Rays Player of the Week. We'll have our Treasure State Stars and expected to be joined by Hunter McGinnis a senior offensive lineman for the Grizz football team as well, and a whole bunch of other stuff coming up later this week. Sam Herter will join us. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, will join us. Keaton Glogley, the voice of the Bobcats, will join us. Tommy Malott from MSU will join us. Lots and lots and lots of guests now that we are uh, almost into September and football season is officially upon us. Thanks so much for hanging out with us here today. Uh, If you missed anything, you can always check it out on the podcast. We'll be back at it tomorrow. In the meantime, have yourself a wonderful Monday evening and be good. We'll see you then. It's Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that yeah. might, it must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with their shirt it. on, and it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Yeah, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> the <laughs> University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just want to make sure. 
Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store, located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time.